did you notice it was like last episode or two episodes ago there was like some point where i said like i said earlier and then i said something but i had not said it earlier because i think you cut it oh yeah i did cut it out and i even when as i was editing it i heard you say like i said earlier and i was like eh people aren't going to notice that (laughs) i noticed Howdy, this is Thursday, April 20th, 2017, and this is episode 42 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined as always by Craig Stone. What's going on, Craig? Happy to be here, as always. (laughs) Happy to have a guest here to talk. Right. So um, we spoke to a special guest a little bit earlier tonight, uh, Sean Smith from AC Fan Expo. So I don't think we have too much else to say before just jumping right into the interview. So... Here it is. So Craig and I are joined by Sean Smith of AC Fan Expo. Sean, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and some of the stuff you've done and where you fit in with AC Fan Expo? Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to. Um, so I am with Venturist Partners, and we are the founders of AC Fan Expo. Uh, specifically, I'm doing marketing and social media with the group. Um, I'm actually based out of Indianapolis and have been doing uh, a sort of a variety of things, mostly in the marketing, social media, and web development um, aspects. But I've also got a background in gaming mm-hmm. um, and esports. So um, ultimately, I've been brought on board to to help drive the esports program for Atlantic City Fan Expo, and then also to uh, drive a lot of the marketing initiatives and uh, some of the vision behind the program. So with Venturous Partners specifically, is is AC Fan Expo kind of the first major thing you've done with this group? I know you've done a couple things previously. Is that under Venturous Partners officially, or was that something set up for AC Fan Expo? Yeah, Venturous Partners was set up specifically for AC Fan Expo because it's a, a cross-collaboration between a couple of different companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dub3 is, is officially the, one of the companies, and then... Um, uh, out of Philadelphia, there's some companies as well. So we've all kind of banded together in order to uh, try and tackle the the enormous project that is um, filling the showboat hotel. Right. So I guess before we jump into any of the other stuff, can you talk a bit more? I mean, I, I don't know what you're allowed to talk about or not, but can you talk a bit more about some of the other companies that you're partnered with in this, uh, well, it's for AC Fan Expo? Well, some of that we can't get into quite yet because okay. we're finishing contracts and, and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. Um, but ultimately, what we're trying to do is is take the Showboat Hotel, which is basically um, you know this this amazing two hundred two hundred fifty thousand square foot shell, and bring together um, co- companies and industries from across the fandom and geek industries in order to make this the ultimate geek vacation. So. Um, we're talking to esports organizations, uh, land centers. Um, we've got a strong possibility that you'll be able to do um, some really cool virtual reality things, like think of virtual reality arena, where you can mm-hmm. actually get up and walk around, um, and then combine that with the sort of Comic Con, Pop Con uh, type atmosphere. And uh, and what we're putting together is uh, is pretty unique and special. So I guess kind of the first question that pops into my mind hearing that you're from Indianapolis is how did this opportunity come up to take this on in Atlantic City? 
Well, we, uh, my partners and I were uh, instrumental in the founding of and running of a convention called Indie PopCon. Mm-hmm. So it's an Indianapolis-based um, pop culture convention um, that, uh, that that is sort of like a Comic-Con, but we really focused more towards gaming and YouTube, what we like mm-hmm. to kind of call the, the now culture. A lot of Comic-Cons really were about nostalgia, and we kind of looked forward. Um, so from the work that uh, that that we had done there, um, several of us had f- split off to form a new company um, called Dub3. And mm-hmm. the specific aim of Dub3 was to create and bring um, millennial-centric entertainment to existing venues that are having trouble reaching young audiences. So, for example, movie theaters, amusement parks, all of these types of industries are seeing a steep decline from the millennial and Generation Z audiences because the you know their their habits have, have changed so dramatically. So uh, from that work, we were introduced to uh, to Mr. Bart Blatstein, who is the new owner of the Showboat Hotel, mm-hmm. and um, you know he was he he got the vision and uh, he was uh, was was open to uh, experimenting, and um, so we were brought on board. No, I mean, it sounds like kind of a, a fortuitous thing because, you know, you mentioned a couple of industries that are having issues attracting millennials and in the gaming industry. And when I say gaming from our side, we mean casino gaming industry. That's just something that's been talked about over and over and over again. And Craig and I can't tell you how many stories we've seen or read about how gaming has this issue where all of their the people who kind of go to casinos tend to be like tend to be older, you know kind of right. post-retirement people and it doesn't seem to have the same draw to, to young people. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that Mr. Blatstein was extremely, um, uh, you know, he had a very enlightened approach to that. And whenever he bought the property, uh, he didn't want to follow the old Atlantic city model um, because it's clear that that's something that uh, can't really be sustained for some of the reasons that you've just mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. um, Younger individuals, they just don't like to gamble. It's just not part of our lifestyle. I myself consider myself kind of the the end of the millennial spectrum, so I can say the royal we, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we, we just we just don't gamble, and I think that's not the answer for reviving Atlantic City. and uh, And we hope that um, uh, you know part of what we're doing is part of that answer. Just just for uh, you know science. How old are you? Because I think Craig and I technically are millennials as well, depending on where you look at it. So I'm 32, and based uh-huh. on sort of the sliding scale that you see out there, millennials can be defined um, anywhere from 85 to 90, sometimes 95, mm-hmm. uh, as far as your birth year. So I'm supposedly right, right on the edge of that. Yeah, we're, we're both 83. I've even seen up to 80. So. Yeah. So for yeah, gam- I think I've seen up to 82. Gambling mm-hmm. typically does 80 just because... If you go to 85, it limits how much I think 21 and over right. <laughs> people are there. It's so it's, thing, it's not as much data. Yeah. But, uh, right. And 80 would be, what, 37? And that's even that's young-ish for uh, certainly slot players, if not all gamblers or casino patrons. Right. Um, so has this been something that's been in the planning stages for a long time? I know it seems like it's happening very fast uh, for us as sort of onlookers seeing – you know, you show up on Twitter, you have a website up, the article went up on Press of Atlantic City just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but sort of how long has this been ongoing that you've been setting this up? 
Oh, it's been incredibly fast. Um, I think we were brought in, and the the first time I saw Atlantic City was actually in February. Um, so uh, we we were brought out there then, and that's really when the the ball started to get rolling. And I don't even think that we had the full agreement until March. So um, it's something that's definitely happening very very quickly. But um, we've we've made some really good progress, and we've got some great partners along the way that are that are helping us get it ready. So we're uh, we're feeling very confident about being uh, open for the summer. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've listened to our, our podcast, I think it was a couple episodes ago where we, we talked a bit about this, but I mean, I think for Craig and I, we're both, you know, I've been to PAX East, Craig is into comic books and stuff like that. So we're both kind of rooting for this and hoping it's going to succeed. But, you know, I think a lot of what is like, what worries us about the venture is that it does seem rushed and and because of your background in indie pop con and you have this this background in this i think what i said a couple episodes ago is if it was just something that was a couple of conventions this summer i i'd be feeling more confident so can you give us any kind of detail of like how exactly you're going to do this for i don't know however many weekends in a row it is from from memorial day to labor day basically yeah i'm happy to and and the the thing that um, uh, I'll say first that might be a little bit surprising is that we're not a convention. We're mm-hmm. not a con. We will never be as big as PAX East. We mm-hmm. have no desire to be another PAX. We right. may never even be as big as Garden State Comic Con. That's not what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Instead, what we believe is that what people truly want out of conventions isn't so much, you know, 3,000 booths and waiting in line forever and paying $100 to meet, you know, this one celebrity who is going to shake your hand for three seconds and then usher you uh, to the back of the line. Uh, We think that what people really want is the community. Um, I think that that's what makes conventions so appealing to uh to to fans all over is that they know that they can be surrounded by other fans like them and um for us instead of building a convention what we're really trying to do is, is build like this amazing geek vacation experience that always has that convention like atmosphere um so it doesn't matter what weekend you can come to atlantic city you know that you're staying in a hotel that you're going to be surrounded by other gamers and comic enthusiasts and fans. And, uh, you know, that that trip to Atlantic City right now, if, if you are into those sorts of genres and you don't like gambling, there's not a lot for you. Um, you can go and hang out on the beach, but after you've gotten sunburnt, um, the the best thing for for you know sort of that geek generation is to check out one of the arcades which by the way those arcades only have claw machines so there's really just not something there in Atlantic City that that services uh, the the demographic that we're looking for and that's what we're hoping to do we don't want to uh, or expect for fifty thousand people to show up to this. Right. Um, that would be insane. Uh, we don't expect to fly out some, you know, triple A lister celebrity um, on on day one and charge people one hundred and fifty dollars for autographs. Um, you know, we we want to just make it a fun atmosphere where perhaps we can, you know, reunite the Pokemon cast one weekend. Perhaps we bring out some of the the Star Trek guys for intimate one on one interactions and panels and workshops and. 
ultimately just make it a space that uh, you pick a weekend that you want to go hang out with you know your old college buddies well, why not go to Atlantic City where you know the place you're staying has wall-to-wall video games has wall-to-wall board gaming so if you just want to get together and roll dice go for it um, we're, we're looking at installing permanent art exhibits with a major comic artist who I cannot mention yet uh, so if you've got a uh, uh, you know a deep interest in comics, visit there because it'll be a permanent museum installation. Um, you know it, it's really about making it a hot spot on the boardwalk for geeks, for fans, and not about being uh, a convention. Mm-hmm. So you you have the fifteen weekends over the course of the summer, um, and it does seem like from the website that they're going to have sort of a theme for each weekend. Is that right. accurate? Correct. So, so how much? How do you fill fifteen weekends? I guess, like, how much overlap do you think there will be in the themes? Um, I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple of, of possibilities, but do you have anything um, fleshed out for specific weekends, or do you have ideas that you can share for for how you fill fifteen weekends? Yeah, absolutely. You know, wh- one thing that we've found from running these events is that if you break them all down at, at their core, they all have um, some of the same elements. So. Whether you go to PAX, whether you go to PopCon, Comic-Con, any of these fandom conventions, um, you're going to have the exhibit floor. And that exhibit floor is going to have um, unique merchandise, art, um, and and uh, you know sort of trinkets and, and sort of geek memorabilia that you can partake in. So that's going to be there all 15 weeks without fail. Um, and then you have things like panels and workshops that are run by uh, the, the fans that are in attendance. So if you want to work on your cosplay, uh, you know we'll have some of that programming there for you. And then the celebrities that we are able to bring out, they'll also have um, panels where you can sort of give them Q&A style questions. Um, so all of those things are kind of the common elements of, of each weekend experience. And then we just take that and add a little bit of a specific flavor to each weekend. So... Uh, For example, I mentioned the Pokemon weekend. That is something that we are working on. We're very close to being able to announce when that weekend will be. But whenever you go that weekend, it will have a specific tilt towards Pokemon. Now, if you choose that weekend and you're not big on Pokemon, that's fine. You're still going to be able to get the panels, still going to be able to get the cosplay. The video game areas are still going to be lit up. Uh, The board gaming is still going to be lit up. We're still going to have that private area, the lounge area for all the attendees. So, um... It just so happens that on that trip, you don't meet the celebrities, and that's perfectly fine. But then you'd come back the next week, and that's when our comic book show is. And now a lot of the merchants have shifted from Pokemon merchandise to comic book merchandise, but it's still a lot of the same kind of merchandise. You know, um, I always like to say uh, every single convention I've ever been to has Funko Pops. We're going to have a ton of Funko Pops. It's just which Funko Pops are brought to the specific weekend to sort of match uh, the themes that we're doing. So it, it seems like the, the vendors have the opportunity to do all 15 weeks, if that's right. I, th- I actually got the email about, right. uh, about the vendors. Um, so, so are you imagining like the same vendors coming with different merchandise, or will there be vendor turnover over the course of 15 weeks? I think it'll be a combination of both. Um, we recognize that, that a lot of these vendors actually travel to a lot of shows, 
So it's not realistic that every vendor is going to be able to sort of plant a flag in, in Atlantic City. Um, but we are looking to partner with with some uh, that do have that capability. They can, you know, drop off stock and and basically have a permanent store presence right there on the boardwalk. Um, so I think that you'll see a combination of some some sort of stalwarts, and then you're going to have people that are going to shift in and out um, because they've got specified or specific stock that can match a specific weekend theme. So do you have some set number of vendors that's a target that you're hoping to get to for, to, to fill the space? Well, one of the things about the space is that it's, it's, it's 250,000 square feet. That's a lot of space. If, if we activated it all today, um, then we would be one of the largest conventions in North America. So we're being real, realistic, uh, and, and we have a lot of room to grow into. So we're sort of targeting a number of um, between 40 and 100 exhibitors per weekend um, to sort of slowly roll it up. And then uh, we have an entire casino, a former casino show floor that we can grow and expand those out in. So um, with, with, uh, with great attendance, we'll obviously increase the vendors and increase the amount of attractions that we can put in. Um, so it's something that, that we are definitely taking a, uh, a growth approach towards um, where, you know, you walk in and you might see that there's a couple areas that are still limited access or you can't access yet. And, and that's fine. We're, you know, as we grow and develop this, we'll come up with some cool ideas. The fans will come up with cool ideas and we'll say, you know what, it'd be really cool if we installed a comic book library in this space. And then boom. Uh, within a few weeks, we've got that installed, and now that's a, a permanent part of the exhibit as well. Uh, so you mentioned, obviously, the just giant scope of the 250,000-square-foot space. Um, how much are you doing to actually renovate or make structural or cosmetic changes to the various spaces? Like you mentioned, the casino floor, there's the House of Blues uh, concert hall, obviously a ton of space in that in that casino or former casino. Yeah, the, a lot of it is actually remarkably intact. Um, you know, it was as if, uh, I think it was three or four years ago that it was formally abandoned. And it was as if somebody walked out the door, turned around, locked it, and walked away. And then three years later, somebody showed back up and opened the door, and uh, everything was, was in pretty good condition. Um, you know, all the restaurants still had most of the kitchen equipment in them, so all of the restaurants are going to be reactivated, Johnny Rockets. Um, we're looking at, uh, at doing a, a beach beer garden. Um, and then uh, the the inside, there's definitely some work to be done as far as, uh, well, a lot of dusting, for example. Uh, uh, so, you know, some of that general cleanup and maintenance is being done. Um, for this year, we probably won't change the aesthetic too much, but we've actually got some ideas that uh, we would like for the community to possibly participate in some of those renovations. And so we're talking about a program where uh, if, if local artists want to come out and sort of create some murals or, or do some, some interior decorating, um, then we can, you know, kind of kickstart the building, uh, give them summer passes for the experience and, and you know, a plaque dedicated to, to them ultimately helping to, to build what we're doing out there. You know, we want this to be something that is definitely shaped by the community. So throughout this entire process, um, as we start getting more vocal, there will always be an air of, and by the way, let us know what you think. Um, what do you want to see uh, uh, us create in this space? And if there's any way we can do it, I mean, why not? We're sitting on so much space. We've got to do something with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So I know this is going to make Craig go crazy because I'm kind of jumping around what, what we had planned to ask you. But since you brought it up, you were talking about this season. So what is the plan with the showboat after Labor Day? Is it just going to close back down until Memorial Day next year? Or are you not sure or not privy to talk about it? Or Well, the showboat is and has been an active hotel for a while. Um, mm-hmm. for, for right now, people are basically staying there just as another um, option for whenever they want to visit, you know, some of the other properties um, on the boardwalk. Um, so uh, in, in the off season, it is going to always operate as a hotel as it has. But we have seen that, that Atlantic City has um, become quite seasonal. So we're, we're just trying to um, manage our expectations and fan expectations as far as uh, how often we can be out there and, and, you know, confident that we can draw enough of a crowd to, to cover the overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I would say that we're we're definitely not afraid of doing events and things throughout the winter months. So uh, if those opportunities present themselves, we're we're totally game for them. Um, if if the local community and uh, really embraces the idea and and they just want to hang out every single weekend of the year there, I mean, we can definitely go down that road. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned that how sort of left intact Showboat was and. Uh, when the showboat reopened, I think that was actually a little bit shocking to people, and but maybe also not in a good way. <laughs> you know, you go in and there are still signs for the House of Blues. There are still signs pointing you to the casino. And it looked like basically they put up temporary barriers and just said, go to your rooms and otherwise, <laughs> you know, otherwise everything's closed off. So, um, you know, how much are you doing to sort of make it look more inviting and, and look less like you're in the former showboat casino and make it more that it's actually the AC fan expo. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's our entire job description. We have people on site right now converting one of the second floor spaces into a land center. Um, so, you know, that, that work is currently ongoing and that's just a, a process of um, just starting to install stuff. Um, Cause one of the biggest issues is just that, um, you know, behind those banners they put up is that it's just a giant empty floor. Um, so uh, the, the management made the decision of, um, they, you know, choosing to, to try and hide some of that until they figured out what to do. And, and, you know, ultimately until we came along. And now that is our job to start filling those spaces out. So our plan is to work from the boardwalk um, towards the main entrance of the showboat. Um, so you'll see that uh, the the show floor will start um, just after you enter from the boardwalk and extend probably, you know, one-third to halfway um, whenever we first open up. And then some other spaces, again, will will kind of be activated and and greenlit throughout the summer as we get them up and running. Um, So it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, whenever you walk in the first few weeks, you're, you're going to see that uh, we're we're actively building this monster. Um, but again, you know, I think that's part of the fun of it is is uh, you know you can kind of see this uh, this colossal monster we're creating, uh, sort of bit by bit. You mentioned sort of boardwalk in. Um, I think you mean the interior. Do you have any uh, purview, I guess, over the exterior, like things that are happening? On the outside, will there be big signage for the showboat um, on the outside of the, the building? 
Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're working on renovations and drawing up plans for the signage. Um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of old branding, House of Blues, that sort of thing. And we've mm -hmm. got um, sponsors and partners that are coming to the table um, that are going to start replacing that and fixing it up. Um, so there's there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, because it is such a short timeline, I can't guarantee that all the signage will look perfect on Memorial Day weekend. But, it, you know, again, our goal is to show that there's life that's that's starting to form inside there again and that people can come in and, and participate in what we're doing and really help guide the direction of, of ultimately what does end up filling those spaces. I mean, and that was just part of some of the complaints me and Craig has had is that even though it has been run as a hotel, uh, as you've said, you know, you mentioned that it still has a lot of the old signage and that includes just, you know, by the volleyball courts, for example, right. Last time I was in Atlantic city, they had the incredibly old, uh, you know, back when it was still a Caesars property, kind of the do AC mugs and all the Caesars kind of branded total rewards signage still up on these like horrible felt right. torn up, you know, signs on the side of the building. So I think anything to get those taken down and replaced with something modern and, actually looking good is would be a big uh, upgrade for the show out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, ultimately it's just a colossal undertaking. There's so much to do there. I mean, those buildings were definitely battered by the storms that have come through. Um, but it does appear that uh, that entire area is starting to get reinvigorated. Um, Hard Rock did just purchase the uh, Trump Taj Mahal, uh, and that'll be open next year. Um, you know, there's there's... There's motion, although we, we never know exactly how much as far as revel uh, in that <laughs> property. Um, so uh, I think that we're kind of getting in at, at the ground floor of kind of the the renovation of the north side of the boardwalk. Uh, mm -hmm. And we're, we're excited by that. Um, so do you, I, I don't, you, you might not know or might not be able to talk about it, but do you know of, you know, there's some other things that, that Mr. Blatstein owns. I mean, as an example, is the Garden Pier kind of right outside the showboat um, right. that we, we don't know. I mean, Craig don't know what's coming. Do you kind of know what, what will be coming there or could be coming? And does it excite you for the future or have you not heard yet? Yeah, we've got a couple different concepts uh, as far as what's going to go into that space. And then also mm -hmm. the uh, giant volleyball court area. That's where I mentioned that we're looking at some sort of outdoor beer garden slash yep restaurant slash concert area mm -hmm. uh, so nothing to to put in stone but uh, those properties are definitely on our radar and uh, we we definitely want to tie in uh, as much as possible the the outdoor beach atmosphere and experience um uh, as much as we can because we think that's kind of essential to that whole uh, vacation mentality um, so it, obviously it's like you've said, uh, it's a huge undertaking and it seems like there's a lot of, of different stuff going on and the scope is just enormous between video gaming and, and comics and all the sort of other elements of geek culture, the beer garden. Are you sort of subcontracting a lot of that stuff out where you've got people who, you know, teams handling sort of each different thing that you're bringing in or is it uh, sort of on Venturist to try to figure this whole giant thing out? Well, you know, we really consider ourselves the, uh, the the hub of the wheel. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out and find a lot of really energetic partners that can be the individual spokes. Um, like example, for example, uh, we, we found a gentleman named Andrew Wang 
um, out of Philadelphia or Phoenixville specifically, and he owns an operation called Gamers Heaven, uh, very successfully out there. It's a 3,500 square foot LAN and board gaming um, social space, social club. And so uh, instead of us trying to do it ourselves, you know, we reached out and we tapped him as the expert because we know that that's his passion. So whenever he installs this and designs it, then we know that it's coming from a place where, uh, you know, he's very passionate and has a lot of experience and he's knowledgeable. And so that whole sector will, will sort of be run by Gamers Heaven. And then we've got different partners for the virtual reality, different partners for our comic book installations. Um, so as much as possible, uh, we're really trying to just aggregate all of these wonderful fandom and geek uh, businesses that are looking for um, great ways to expand their own business, expand their own brand, and reach new audiences. And uh, it, it's just kind of one of those, you know, it, it, it's so unique to find a space like the Showboat where, um, you know, it, it's so much space and it's available uh, a, a, in a way that's that's so friendly towards business um, that uh, it's, it's just kind of just it's kind of fun watching it from this end because things just keep connecting together. Um, you know, we just had a conversation with uh, the the largest board game uh, rental provider in the United States, and so that, that doesn't sound like a you know that big of a thing, but they've got twenty six hundred board games, and they want to bring them all to Atlantic City, so you can come with your buddies, and every single time you want to play a game, you've got a brand new one, um, and you know that's. Those are the kind of, of sort of small businesses that we're tapping in order to, uh, to to get this thing up and running in time. So you mentioned, um, what is it called? Gamers Heaven? Gamers Heaven. And you tweeted just today, I think, a picture of some of the systems, including very current stuff, PlayStation VR, N- uh, Nintendo Switch, which obviously is kind of the hot thing right now. And then also a bunch of old stuff going all the way back to uh, Super Nintendo Nintendo 64 and that kind of stuff. So uh, for this uh, land center, I guess, which is the the gaming or video gaming place for people to come and, and play these video games, how how is that going to be set up and what kind of capacity do you have for a number of players to come in and play a bunch of different games? Oh, well, you guys just want all the spoilers, don't you? <laughs> <It is>. Yes. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just teasing, of course. Um, yeah, so... Uh, what we're doing with that space is we want it to be a, a good mix of, of old and new. Um, cause, uh, so you can expect whenever you walk into the space, there's going to be an area with, you know, let's just call it 50, 60 PCs all strung together with, with the best Ethernet available um, where you can go sit down and frag some noobs in League of Legends or, or whatever latest titles that you want. And that'll be sort of that eSports vibe. Um, we'll be able to use those to attract national tournaments and, and professional teams to play against one another. Um, but we also want to have you know uh, more of a communal space where if you really just want to sit down and drink a beer and grab some ramen noodles and play some old school Super Nintendo with your buddy, then you can definitely do that. You know, we, one of the things that we feel like is uh, as far as gaming goes. The whole idea of, of couch gameplay is sort of slowly eroding, which is unfortunate. And so we want to use retro games to sort of call back and, um, you know, get get people to to play GoldenEye again, um, split screen style, and and remember just how crappy those controls really were. Like, <laughs> 
it's amazing how 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 I used to be able to aim in that game and <laughs> the way things have changed today. Are there ever even still working Nintendo sixty four controllers? Because those things wore out immediately. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they they got all that dust in the middle of them, and you yeah, yeah. clean them out with a toothbrush. Um, yeah, we've we've got all that equipment. Um, so it, it'll be a good mix of, of old and new, um, and and sort of modern and uh, um, and then retro, um, and. And as I mentioned, the entire facility will be enabled so that whenever you know a, a major Overwatch tournament wants to come through the property, then we'll be able to set aside X number of PCs, X number of Xboxes, PlayStation 4s, and then house the finals on our um, what we're calling the Sandbox Theater main stage. So is that the Sandbox Theater? Is that the former House of Blues? Correct. Okay. So what kind of game library are you looking at as far as, you know, is it going to be... Basically, you go to this console and there's whatever Mario Kart or GoldenEye. You go to this console, it's something else. Or are you going to have just a giant library of games available for people to come in and, and pick something out and sit and play? Yeah, there will be a library, um, PC and console. Um, we'll, we'll try to keep you know the majority of the, the most recent popular titles available. Your League of Legends, your Halos, your, your Overwatches, and so on and so forth. And then we've got a retro game library, which is actually mostly donations from the community. So that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, our goal is that uh, whenever you go, uh, you can rent from, you know, a wide variety of, of various games and, and, uh, and, and have some fun. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild nonstop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is sort of cool for me. I, I geeked out over the tweet because I was like, you know, I've been saying for a month now that what I want is just to have someone to talk to about this game because nobody I know has a Nintendo Switch. So that kind of excites me about this thing. Um, I don't know, Kyle, do you have any other questions about esports uh, or the Land Center? I don't, but well, you talked a bit about the uh, the board game library and how you're trying to rent that out. Do you have other partners that are interested in coming in and and you know, I, I guess you you would have vendors that would be interested in selling board games or partners to come in and run demos and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're, we're definitely reaching out to uh, our. We've got a pretty wide network of exhibitors and vendors and, and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so we're going to bring anybody that's that's willing to spend some time in Atlantic City out to to help um, strengthen the the whole experience. And then, do you have plans for uh, things like? card game tournaments and um, obviously Magic the Gathering being the classic example. Um, I think Gamers Heaven actually does do that stuff as well um, right. in, in their Pennsylvania location. So do you, do you have plans to do that? Is that sort of under their purview? No, we absolutely do. It's uh, Ultimately, a lot of it's going to come down to demand. Um, so uh, we have the space to do a Magic the Gathering tournament. Does Do we have the, the audience that wants to do it? That That's really the the question and so what we're going to be looking for is if there is an organization and it may be gamers heaven you know they do some smaller tournaments um but if there's an organization on the east coast that needs a venue to run an awesome magic the gathering tournament we'll give it to them like we are making this extremely easy for anybody to participate we've got the space we make it extremely available for very minimal cost very minimal overhead um, because we know that it's going to ultimately add to the overall experience. So, uh, you know, it, there's going to be a little bit of um, we're going to put together some of the things that we know the best 
Um, Magic is is one that we've got some good experience in, so I would expect that. Um, but uh, you know, if if we get a phone call from the makers of Gwent and they want to come out and do Gwent tournaments, heck yeah, let's do some Gwent. Um, you know, Pokemon cards, the the whole thing. Um, whatever the fans want to happen in this space, we're ultimately going to drive those initiatives first. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it 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 sounds like to me, I mean, it it seems like you have kind of some ideas for some some of the weekends, but it sounds like are are you saying that you're still kind of going to be taking a wait and see approach, and is that necessarily going to be for you know, still some of the weekends in, in 2017, people will be able to influence and, and allow you to decide what you want to do for them? Or do you have that, do you think you have that more or less planned out and this will just be for 2018? Well, I, I think that uh, there's a little bit of a combination there. You know, we've got a lot of our themes sort of planned and uh, the ideas of what we want, but some of that comes down to availability of guests. So, for example, you know, I mentioned the the Pokemon theme, which we do have confirmed, but we don't know which weekend it's going to be yet. Um, so that that's sort of this delicate juggling act that we're going through right now of when are we able to formally lock things in, and you know, when um, when when can we talk about more of that stuff? But again, uh, I really believe that there's a commonality on almost all of these genres that if you like Pokemon, there's a pretty high percentage chance that you like Magic the Gathering. Um, you know, you, you probably got into Pokemon cards because you started with Magic. Um, if you like comic books, there's a pretty high chance that you do like video gaming. Um, so I don't think that having a Magic tournament stops the Pokemon Weekend from happening. I think it just makes Pokemon Weekend that much cooler. That you can come and not only get some Pokemon, but you can also get Magic the Gathering. So we could do Magic the Gathering every single weekend. If there's enough demand, then we can do some some open box tournaments or some closed sealed box tournaments. And, you know, just small prizes here or there. And just make it sort of a regional thing. And maybe even do a big build-up where Labor Day weekend we take all the winners of each week uh, and and stock them into a tournament. And that's an amazing idea that I'm going to write down and get us working on immediately. Um, so, you know, like, that that's, that's exactly the kind of stuff that's going to happen is we'll have these conversations. People say, well, you know, have you thought about doing this? And then the answer is no, but we like the idea and we have the space, so let's just do it. So you mentioned a lot about sort of having the space available if people come to you and say they want to do something, like you mentioned, a Gwent a tournament. How much are you actively reaching out to people to try to get to drum up that interest and say, hey, we have this space. Do you want to come do this and sort of getting all those irons in the fire? That that process is ramping up considerably right now. So we, we just selected our ticket agent. Uh, the website launched last week. Social media launched last week. Um, so we're, we're really just now starting to build the audience and, um, within the next few days, uh, I'm not sure when the podcast will release, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the April 20th right now. And so within the next few days, we'll really start putting out some of those rallying cries, um, start opening up some contact forms, start asking for the community to, to help spread the word and see where it goes from there. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the, the, the sort of keystones of, 
who we are as an organization and as a company is that we are extremely adaptable, we're flexible, and we're able to react to to what's what's sort of happening. So um, uh, we don't have 100% of these floors mapped out. We don't have every single event scheduled right now. We're not even close. Um, but we have the general notion of what we want to do. And then the, the, the faith that... Um, the, the fans are, are going to think this is a really cool idea and that they want to somehow try and get themselves involved. Um, and I think that we've seen that, you know, interest just from yourselves, for example. Um, that's that's everybody we've talked to about the idea loves the idea. They have no idea how we're going to pull it off, <laughs> but they want to be a part of it. Um, so uh, so we're excited to to start getting on the megaphone and start beating the drums and you know being on this podcast is kind of one of those first steps. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think you kind of summed up our thoughts pretty well. Is that me and Greg are excited for this, but we're you know concerned perhaps about how how this is going to work out. And I, I guess kind of my question is. It's, it sounds like you are going to be taking maybe a wait-and-see approach, especially to maybe some of the later weeks in the summer. But, I mean, do you at least have some some kind of, you know, not big stuff, because you said it's not going to be humongous con, but some cool stuff for the first few weeks, because, you know, in my mind, and you can disagree with me if you want, but the first couple of weeks are going to be key just to seeing if people like it or not like it, or if you have kind of the just the the quantity of people you need to really make this work and make it seem like a cool space and not 250,000 square feet of emptiness. Right. Yeah. We've, we've got a lot of that planned out. And, um, I, I think that, uh, uh, ultimately, um, we are completely okay. And we'll be upfront with people that this is going to be, you know, a little bit of a beta experiment and that you're going to walk in and you're going to see different things. Um, like I said, that, that, are on their way or in progress of getting done. But I think as long as people see what we're working towards, especially those that are from the area, that are from the region, that maybe come to Atlantic City a couple times a year anyways, um, we'll we'll really appreciate what we're trying to build out there. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, we're in this for the long haul. So it's not going to be a situation that we come out and the first couple weeks of June have pretty low turnout and then we pack up our things and the rest of the summer is canceled. Like that's not how we're approaching this. We get it. Um, we even know that, you know, it's sort of seasonal seasonality of Atlantic city, you know, the first couple of weeks of June are generally pretty tepid. Um, so we have the advantage of being able to use that so we can kind of slowly, uh, unleash this, this beast, um, upon the fans. Um, so, uh, Everything we're doing, you know, we're not going to be gouging people uh, and and trying to take advantage of them and and cash in on on opportunities really quick. Um, we're really trying to make everything uh, extremely reasonable, extremely affordable, uh, extremely fun, and then again, um, invite them to to help us shape it because um, uh, we we do have a long term view and approach for what we're doing in Atlantic City. I mean, we've got employees that are moving there right now so we're committed to this thing long term and and we hope that the fans even if they do come in in the first week and they're like you know what this isn't quite polished um we're we're hopeful and uh we believe that the fans will be thoughtful that um what we're trying to do out there is pretty special and given some 
ample time, it'll turn into something that's really, really cool. So you mentioned that you're not trying to gouge people. Do you, I mean, as of right now, you know, nothing about pricing has come out. Is there anything that you can announce on that? Or is it just that it's going to not try to gouge people? <laughs> uh, for, for right now, it, it's just that. Right now we're working on um, ultimately presenting several different package levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on what kind of experience you want, you can kind of build around that. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're working with the uh, hotel to secure um, good rates, you know, built-in perks for those rates. Um, Atlantic City is always going to be a bit Atlantic City as far as pricing and, and hotels are concerned. Um, but we're going to have affordable passes that if you just want to come out for the day and not stay on the property, that's completely fine. There's no requirement that you have to stay there. You can make a road trip out of it um, and, and choose to come out for just the day and then drive back. Um, you know, we know that there's a, a big metro area around there, and a lot of people will choose to do that, and, and we'll embrace that. So we uh, we we definitely want to make sure that uh, everybody gets a lot of value out of what the the ticket and the admission um, uh, ultimately includes. So we're we're very conscious of that. And, uh, and we believe that it's important to make this as accessible as possible to as many fans as possible. Obviously, you can't get into specifics about how much stuff is going to cost, but can you tell us if it's going to be sort of a la carte where you pay a little bit to go to play some games or you pay to get into whatever exhibits or is it sort of an entry fee to get in and then everything is included? Um, the way it'll work is uh, um, it'll be an entry fee to get into certain areas. Um, with that entry fee, you're going to get a certain amount of, let's just call them, uh, credits to be used at some of the exhibits around the area. Um, for example, um, land gaming is one of the ones that we can talk about. So there is going to be an hourly fee to to play some of those gaming. So you can do some lounge rentals, um, you know, rent out some games. Um, so there's a fee associated with that. And if you are staying uh, at the showboat or if you have a three-day badge, um, then you're going to get some of those hours included as part of your price. Uh, if you choose to just come out for the day, then you can go straight up there and immediately have access to that um, with uh, with a small minimum spend. Um, so uh, there are going to be individual elements throughout that will have a cost, but certain things will always be free, and these are the things that... Uh, the traditional con you always expect things such as panels with celebrities. Like we're never going to charge you admission for uh, hearing, you know, the the Power Rangers talk or whoever is on stage. So panels and workshops will always be free. Um, access to the exhibit hall is always included in in the admission price. Um, some of the museums and exhibits that we're hoping to put in there uh, will be included, uh, and then we're going to have a uh, a private lounge upstairs where anybody who is participating in the show uh, is is able to hang out and have sort of a private space. So there's a lot that's going to be baked into that ticket price. Um, it's going to be kind of like a uh, a cruise ship mentality in that uh, you know you can come there and you can spend you know twenty bucks and enjoy. Uh, you know, a, a few of the free samplings and hang out there all day, and it's completely great. You only got twenty bucks, and you enjoy your day for twenty bucks. But if you want to go all out and you want to get 
uh, extra rounds of laser tag or virtual reality room or whatever uh, else is out there, then you can do that. You can make it that vacation splurge weekend for yourself. Um, so it'll be affordable whether you're looking to splurge as a vacation or if you're just looking to hang out with your buddies for the weekend. We've, we're going to have options available for all those groups. So you mentioned the workshops and, and panels and stuff will be free. Do you mean in, included with that ticket price? Correct, correct. Yeah. So included with that ticket price. Thank you for yeah. that clarification. <laughs> so is is there anything, if you're just wandering down the boardwalk and you want to check it out, can you just walk in the doors of the showboat and see the AC Fan Expo, or do you have to pay before you even get in and see anything? So you'll be able to walk into the showboat. Um, the second floor will definitely be access controlled. Um, that's where a lot of our more exclusive stuff will be held. But there will be a lot that you can access or at least see visually from the first floor um, coming off the boardwalk. But as soon as you want to enter into you know, some of the board gaming lounge areas or our arcade or laser tag or virtual reality or whatever, that's whenever uh, you'll be expected to get a badge and or pay the fee for the particular exhibit that you're trying to see. Is there other examples around the United States? Has there been kind of examples of something like this where it's not a con per se, but kind of a mini gamers meet up every weekend at a location? Or are you guys kind of the first? You know, I, I really think that it's happening all across the U.S. I mean, it's it's everywhere, but it's in small local game shops it's mm-hmm. it's it's your hang in your local board game shop it's your hang in your local gamers heaven and mm-hmm. so to this scale no but all we're trying to do is, is take those experiences and and scale them up and um, uh, hopefully create a community that that helps people find a new network of friends if if they're struggling to do so um you know one of our uh ideas that we have out there is um, we're going to put up what we're calling an LFG board. And LFG stands for looking for group. So uh, if you want to go out there and you want to have a six-person Dungeons & Dragons campaign, but you've only got four, well, then you stick a note up on the LFG group, meet us at this room at 1 o'clock. And our hope is that you know two people will wander over and decide to join, and, and possibly you know that's where friendships are, are formed. And that's the kind of thing that does happen at a local scale uh, for, for some of these board game areas and, and various shops. But I think that it's something that the, the biggest shows end up uh, missing out on because um, it seems like you grow to a certain size and a lot of that magic is lost and instead replaced with overcrowding and, and giant lines and, and you know, access gates everywhere. Um, so the, the entire concept of what we're building really does center around this idea of community. And we really hope that uh, when, when people come out, they have an open mind and those that are looking for new friends uh, can, can find them. And those that maybe don't necessarily need to expand their network, but you know they want to do some, some cool games or participate in tournaments um, with, with other like-minded individuals, and they can do that too. Um, but at the end of the day... Uh, you know, we put up an image today of uh, making fun of the Jaws poster where we were saying, you know, this summer, the geeks take back the beach. Um, and, and that's really sort of kind of what's happening here is that, you know, it's it's not something that 
uh, you, you, you think of the beach as a safe place if you're a nerdy, geeky guy or gal. You know, um, it's, it's almost like uh, that stereotype of, well, shouldn't you be in your mom's basement? Well, let's, uh, let, let's get rid of that. Let's thrust that away and, and go back out into the sunshine with our SPF 100 lotion and, and reclaim the, the vacation experience. That's what we're hoping to do. So it, to me, it sounds like maybe that instead of thinking of this as an actual convention, would you say it's maybe accurate to think of it as like a, a giant LGS because it sounds like a lot of the stuff that you want to do kind of is stuff that is found in LGSs whether it's the meetup board or, or whatever. Yeah, I'm not familiar with LGS. What's that acronym for? Lo- lo- uh, local gaming store. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah um, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's taking that mentality. It's adding a scaling factor um, that that those shops often just don't have access to. You know, every one of those shops would love to be able to do virtual reality, but you know the the overhead and cost to doing so is very prohibitive for them. You know, and we're in a situation where we can cram all of this under one roof, so we can make it sort of that that ultimate mecca hang. Um, and you know, we we think that uh, one of the cool potentials here is that we would love to to host like college reunions and things where um, you know you you had that group of uh, of of guys and gals that you hung out together in college and you all drifted away. Um, and you want to figure out a way to get get back together? Well, make it a weekend in Atlantic City, um, where where you can you know play Halo to your heart's content, the uh, the original version, um, and then just hang out on the beach and enjoy some beers and enjoy the the other attractions that are um, still there in Atlantic City because there's quite a bit to to take in there. So I think we should probably start wrapping up here uh, pretty soon. But I one thing that we talked about uh, Kyle and I last episode was just how with the the short time leading up to this and the 15 weekends and obviously the space to fill, it seems like it's just an enormous marketing challenge. So h- how do you get the word out that this thing's here, this is who we're trying to attract, come out and check it out? Uh, well, you know, I, I think that ultimately what we've seen with PopCon and other events like this is that the fans are going to do a lot of our work ourselves, the, uh, you know, themselves. Um, because it is so cool, it's so unique that um, we, we hope that people start chatting about it. So um, our social media is really starting to drum up now. Um, you saw the first post of what will be many as our staff on site um, begin making update posts. So you'll start to see pictures of the renovations that we're going through. Um, you know, they'll be live blogging a little bit of some of the challenges that they're facing. Um, and, uh, and we want this to be very much a, a social experience for everybody. So you're going to see your traditional billboard ads and radio and TV and pizza box toppers. And, and we've got a, a, a significant marketing budget to do all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we hope that people are going to see that, uh, we're going to be very active on social media and communicating with people and, uh, when you communicate with us as a fan, you're talking to to other geeks. We're not some mega corporation that's just full of suits that are trying to throw cash at, at, at something here. We actually believe in the community and the spirit of these events. Uh, and we want to make them fun, not just for the fans, but for ourselves. Um, I, I think it'd be incredible to just... You know, take a, a Dungeons and Dragons weekend 
and just invite out six of my buddies and just go ham, you know? Just roll dice for a weekend, take occasional breaks out onto the beach whenever we kill off a character because of random boulders. Um, you know, the just just enjoy that kind of atmosphere that uh, that right now you just can't get that anywhere. Um, we really do think that we're, we're doing something that's truly unique and truly special from a vacation experience standpoint. And we think that the word will spread um, uh, at, you know, once we really just start getting going on it. So with, with uh, Memorial Day basically being a month away, when do you think you're going to have kind of more concrete info up on your website or Twitter or wherever? That'll definitely be starting to come out this week uh, into next week. Um, uh, at this point, uh, I'd say 80-90% of the information we have is is fairly concrete. We just have to wait for some dotted lines to be signed. Um, so that's all ready to, to start getting out there. Um, so very soon the, the floodgates will open and, and we'll really start uh, doing a lot of chatter. Um, we will be treating Memorial Day weekend as a um, sort of a preview weekend. Um, so I'm not sure the exact structure, but uh, Memorial Day weekend will, will have something unique to it where um, there will be some, uh, let's just say that there will be some deep incentives for people to come and check us out Memorial Day weekend with the asterisks of this is our beta week. It's going to be, there's going to be some rough patches. We're going to be training new staff. We're going to be going through a lot of growing pains with that weekend, but we still want to make it cool. Um, so once we've got that, then the June will be sort of a slow ramp up and then into July and the rest of the season, we should be full steam ahead. So I think, I mean, for me, at least this gives me a much better idea of, of what the, the big picture is. Cause I think w- Kyle and I both sort of had a hard time wrapping our minds around, you know, what happens with all this space and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, the way I'm almost thinking of it now is it's more like, you know, the showboat used to be a casino and what used to be a casino is now going to be like the geek lounge, like the place to go if you're a geek. Um, so it makes, I think it makes more sense in my head, at least thinking of it that way in Atlantic City terms. Um, Kyle, did you have any other questions for Sean? I... Don't really think so. Do you have any anything else? Are your minds blown? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just running through all the things that I want to happen that are like my own personal geeky interests. So <laughs> look I mean, look for us to do like a, a communal board of some sort where we're going to ask people to to start doing those things um, and, and please contribute to them. And uh, I think that you're going to be surprised at how much of the stuff. We're going to be able to say, yeah, let's do it. I mean, if, if, if there's individuals who are local that can be out there and they want to do stuff, if they want to be entrepreneurial, we can offer those opportunities as well. Um, and I think that you were, were spot on on considering this like a geek lounge. Uh, we like to think of it almost like a geek circus even um, because it will be a bit of, you know, once you're under the tent, there's going to be so many things to do um, that you'll be able to sort of pick and choose and, and build uh, entire weekend plans around them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it, just like the circus, we're going to start with, with a couple of small tents and slowly grow this into a giant three-ring affair, um, minus the animal abuse. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I'm certainly 
I'm, I'm hopeful for you guys because I mean, I think like we said, we're me, this kind of fits me and Craig pretty well. So, so I, I'm definitely hoping that, that everything works out for y'all. I mean, I, I still think it's a, it's a big ask, but I'll be rooting for you. Yeah. It's, it seems like, uh, there's, there's a bit of a, and very cautious air around Atlantic city that I understand that there's probably a feeling by the residents and people in the region that, that the city's been burned um, several times over. And, and we're hoping that uh, we can be a part of the healing process and not a part of, um, you know, furthering that pain. So, um, you know, we, uh, we're coming in with a completely fresh perspective on the city. I think it's gorgeous. I think there's so much potential out there. It's a shame what, what has happened. Um, but, uh, we, we think that what we're doing can be part of the solution. And we hope that through what we're doing, we can generate a lot of jobs. Um, we can start to look at, uh, you know, we're doing things with education as well that we haven't even touched on. Um, so we're, we really hope that we can be a force of for good and really make it a, a cool community um, out there on the boardwalk. So um, we're excited to get started and, and really start sharing even more information with you guys. Cool. You have anything else, Craig? No, I think we're just excited to see where it goes. And uh, certainly we'll, we'll be along for the ride in terms of following along as the news comes out and, and as the stuff goes up on the schedule and everything. Yeah. Well, I, ex- I expect you guys to come out and do at least a couple of live recordings from our live podcast recording studio. So <laughs> we will definitely see what we can do. But uh, <laughs> th- thank you so much for for taking uh, you know an hour out of your out of your night tonight and coming on with us. Absolutely. Thank you for your time and uh, and for what you guys are doing. And uh, we'll stay in touch. And I'll uh, I'll continue to keep you uh, up to date on what we're working on. So that was our interview with Sean Smith. Uh, so thank you very much again to him for, for coming on tonight um, and giving us a bit more clarity about what is going to be happening at the AC Fan Expo. Uh, what were your kind of general thoughts, Greg? Uh, I think I have a much clearer understanding, like I said, of, of sort of what the plan is. And I have a little bit better of idea of what I want it to be and hope to see, uh, like you said, definitely rooting for it. Um, but I think it's interesting to sort of think about the challenge of, of 15 weekends and, and everything. Uh, I don't know. What about you? Are you excited, optimistic, nervous? Yeah. I mean, I think the way I close the, the interview is how I feel. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm going to be rooting for them. Um, I mean, I'll still, kind of believe it's going to be a, a huge success when I when I see it but look I think that it's it's a super cool idea and it's ideas like this that are kind of weird and out of the box and cater to you know quite honestly like a very different crowd than the rest of Atlantic City caters to right now that's that's what's needed to succeed in the city and I, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that or or what's needed to make the city succeed I, I should have said so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think I'm I'm wrong or no? I mean, I think we're a little bit maybe almost too much of the target gra- demographic for this because clearly we heard from others that they have no interest, right? So- right, and and that's that's not surprising to me. I mean, I, I I very honestly think what what they are doing and what maybe like the people in our audience really want, they're not the same just because the demographics don't line up but 
I mean, I think we're kind of special cases in that we care a lot about gambling and, but are also have like kind of half a foot or maybe in my case, even like three quarters of a foot into like this kind of gaming culture as well. Yeah. And I, so I think to me coming into this, I was curious about it, about the choice of Atlantic city, because like we've talked about so much of the marketing of what brings someone to a casino in Atlantic city is how do you get gamblers from, you know, the, valleys to the resorts like that's what i want to do i want to get gamblers from the other places in town to come to me instead this is not going to draw very many of the gamblers at all like this is not going to pull from that market at all it totally needs to bring new people to it so part of part of me going in was kind of like why atlantic city um and i think a big part of that answer is a casino floor sort of builds out very nicely <laughs> into, right. into this thing no, it, it can be it, it is a great well. space for that and I, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't say it pulls not at all from gamblers. I mean, I think there's kind of some crossover in the same way there's crossover between gambling and the water park, maybe, right? Like this could be a good thing for kids to do while, you know, maybe the father gambles or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe in this case with the water park, it's younger kids and with uh, AC Fan Expo, it's slightly older kids, but you know. I don't. I wouldn't say there's no crossover, but no, there are going to be a lot of dads with teenage kids who are pretty excited about dropping off their 15 or 16 year old, um, you know, <laughs> telling their wives that oh, I'll take the boy. We're going. I'll show him a good time in Atlantic, <laughs> in Atlantic City at the AC Fan Expo, and then they hop over to whatever the Caesars or the Hard Rock in 2018. Um, one of the big takeaways for me was that. It seems like, A, they have marketing budget. He mentioned TV, advertising, radio, advertising. Um, so so that's important. That was something that I always thought was missing from T Street is that you just didn't hear about it too much. And that they have long-term plans. So they have ambition beyond 2017. They clearly uh, – you know, Sean clearly mentioned the beta thing early on, which part of me is nervous about because right. like with – you know, we've seen with T Street and also to a much – bigger extent with revel like you never really get the chance to launch again you know the right. launch is such a huge marketing opportunity and so it's hard to convince people that something is new when they see it's already been open and the reviews start coming in um mm -hmm. but the fact that it seems like they have the budget to make a run of this for longer than just 2017 um i think is is a big takeaway from from well, what he said pr presumably i mean we, we don't know that but it was indicated that could be the case but things can always change right yeah i mean obviously i, I think if it's <laughs> if things go horribly wrong i don't think it'll be back for 2018 but hopefully right. um you know it seems like he's ready to be pretty adaptable and see where things go and and hopefully yeah, things it, work out. it is good that that they do have some some con experience and 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 that i think that that will help a ton um which is not something i knew before you put together the uh the questions for for the interview yeah, and and the indie um, indie popcon. I mean, I had heard of it and didn't realize he had anything to do with it. Like, I it's a it's going strong. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's in its fifth year uh, in twenty seventeen. So it's it's pretty and it's a pretty big deal. Um, so knowing that he was uh, one of the founders of that and and had his hand in that, like clearly he has this experience. The other thing is, I think he was fairly realistic about the 
sort of fact that five weeks from now it's not going to be fully fleshed out and we don't expect people to be banging down the doors and if he had said like we expect a hundred thousand people on may 28th or whatever i would have said oof this is (laughs) this is not a good thing but he does seem pretty realistic and i do do appreciate that that uh, i mean i feel like you know it was a a pretty realistic look at at what you can expect i mean there was clearly some marketing involved i mean that's why he came on our show but but I mean, it wasn't just all bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully which, our Which was kind of like too. what I was expecting. But <laughs> it was good. It was better than that. Yeah, and hopefully the, the audience gets something out of it. I think we probably have a pretty good segment who isn't interested and isn't going to be interested. But that's fine. I mean, that's not who they're going for. If this succeeds, it will bring a crowd into Atlantic City who would never have gone to Atlantic City otherwise. Yes, that's yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, if you uh, go to a place like Pax, it is looks very different than a place like Caesars. I mean, it's <laughs> just could not be more different. So, like I said, just just absolutely best of luck to them. I'll be rooting for them, and and we'll see how it goes in just over a month. Yeah, uh, like my brother said, we should print coffee mugs that say, "We'll see how it goes," or "We have to wait and see." Was that what he said? <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, so yeah, I think. We can probably go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, I think we should probably come back maybe next week with a, a more traditional, you know, news and gambling and the stuff that you'd normally expect from us kind of episode. Yep. I, mean, I will say as my kind of closing thought there, I would love nothing better than to talk to Sean again in, in two or three months and him to be like, I told you so. I told you that this was going to just work beautifully. I mean, that would not, nothing would make me happier than that. So. Because I, I, for me, like I said, I really do want to succeed. I think it, if it succeeds, it's going to be a great thing for the city. Yeah, great thing for the city. And, and per, from a personal standpoint, like I just want to go sit down and play some like Mario Kart Double Dash on GameCube or some old SNES games and that kind of stuff. So okay. this is certainly hitting me uh, mm-hmm. right in the target demographic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, thanks to you all for listening to this. Uh, If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us or any of our other listeners and have generally good conversation about uh, Atlantic City. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. You can follow along all of our content at do for a win dot com. Find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio and Maybe YouTube some more, maybe? Yeah, so I did get the last episode up on YouTube. It was the first one. I haven't been tracking how much it's been viewed, but I did finally fix the glitch where it was crashing. So, yeah, maybe. We'll see. It's not the fastest job. So uh, if you like it, let us know, and I'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can reach out to us um, at on Twitter at do for a win or send questions to us at win at gmail.com. Uh, any last words, Craig? No, just the usual. Good luck if you're headed to Atlantic City. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Did you listen to the last You Can Bet on that? Uh, just finished it today. I didn't think I undersold how my role was. But I think for him, I mean, you know, like, I guess if you hit hard ways, like, you probably didn't have any money on the hard ways. No, it was my first, like... If if my second roll was like that and I had like the bank roll ahead at that point, I would have. But it was a fifty dollar table and I wanted five hundred dollars. That was a bet in shits. <laughs>